This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. But yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the show, Rebels. This is episode 156. Today is Thursday, May 11. I am the bearded ginger ninja Dan Ellis. The four-eyed wonder firefighter is not here, nor is the resident misanthrope. Mr. Firefighter is off doing overtime tonight. Mr. Misanthrope is out trying to be not so misanthropic. He's visiting relatives, I believe. Oh. But I oh, am joined nice. in studio by the wonderful Mr. Grant Larimer, a.k.a. the Purple Dragon. How are you tonight, Grant? I, I am good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. My voice is a little gone-ish. Why, why is that? What, what's going on? Uh, I think it's just allergies. Oh. Post-nasal drip. Too much gas. That kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just change of the seasons, being yeah. tired. I don't know. Yeah. It's all kinds of stuff, man. Yeah. But Ryan sent me a message the other day saying that, that his voice was gone. And so there's that. And then I can't remember if it was later that day or the next day, he said, Oh, and by the way, I can't make it to the show because he was basically voluntold that he's got to work overtime. Oh, okay. Because he's sick, but, you know, he lives at the fire station when he's working. And so they all get sick if one of them gets sick. Yeah, yeah. And so they had a bunch of guys call out and he had to fill in for guys who are more sick than he is, I guess. Let's hope he doesn't have to give like mouth to mouth. To somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have those. Don't they have things they now have, that they you have put the over the face? And, yeah, yeah. they have the mouth prophylactic these days. Yeah. Yeah. Mouth prophylactic. <laughs> that's a mouth rubber. <laughs> when, but well, that doesn't. Isn't it, that isn't it like, a, it, like, a, like a rubber bottle oh, kind well, yeah, of thing? Oh, they have the rubber bottle. That you yeah. put over the face? They have the rubber bottle. <laughs> right. But, well, yeah. For, yeah. But they also have this like mouth prophylactic, this rubber thing that you put over for mouth to mouth. Um, that you just put over so you're not like touching skin to skin, but you're still like blowing air into them. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and hoping nothing comes out when you're uh, apparently is. Yeah. Huh. Well, on tonight's show, we will be interviewing Mr. Lloyd Evans. He is senior editor of JWSurvey.org. He's going to be telling us. All about Jehovah's Witnesses, which is good because I know jack and shit about Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, all all I know is what the what the people on Saturday morning at eight a.m. when they knock on my door, what they tell me. <laughs> well, I had my ex wife, my ex wife's sister, married a Jehovah's Witness, and I remember that. So my my ex wife's sister's husband. Was a nice guy, but he was, I don't know, a little weird, a little strange. Well, he's a Jehovah's. So. And we we all called him a Jack Joe because he would drink and he'd party, and he allowed he allowed his wife to have a Christmas tree, 
Huh? As long as it wasn't somewhere in the house that his mother would easily spot it if she came over to <laughs> to spend well, any bit of time with him. Well, how magnanimous of him! Yes, he was. He was. I know. Quite lovely that what, way. What a what a nice guy! And his mother, I believe, developed breast cancer, and I can't remember if there was something about she had to have surgery, and they were worried about needing a blood transfusion or. And I mean, uh, usually when you oh, get surgery, you need blood. And I think, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that the Jehovah's Witnesses can store their own blood for later transfusion if they know they've got a surgery. I, I don't know. We'll have to find out. Uh, yeah. I, uh, we'll have to ask Lloyd. I would think so. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how It's that your works. job to remind me when we interview Lloyd to ask him <laughs> this question. <laughs> <laughs> because my memory is so good. You have to remember. I can't remember my daughter's names half the time. We could, well, I'm sure we could Google it and look it up if we happen to forget. But yeah, I remember her getting breast cancer. And there, I don't know, there's some vague memory of that being a thing that can be done. So, I mean, how does that work during surgery? I mean, you have like some kind of like uh like oil drip pan under the bed that you know like your <laughs> like the blood drips down and then no. it cycles back up into no like if like you like if you know that you have some kind of surgery coming up yeah. you you go and you have blood drained off ahead of your surgery oh okay so but then you have to wait for the surgery for the blood to replenish itself Yes. Well, yeah. That's why you go. So. Well, that's yeah. why you go. You would have to go before well, the surgery. Well yeah. 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 I wonder how that works. Yeah, we should ask. Well, because you can. I mean, you can donate what, like once a week or something like that. I don't typically. Uh, no, I think. no, no, no. Not once a week. You could do plasma very frequently. Plasma, but, you can do a couple times a week, two or three times. I think. I'm right? not sure you can do blood. I'm not sure a pint of blood. Because the pints, all they take it in given you know, time, and you only have eight pints. You know what I love about this show is yeah. that when we don't know jack shit about something, we just start making <laughs> we'll just, guesses. We'll just make sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Okay. That sounds, yeah, that what sounds about right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we could look it up, but have I quite yeah. bother with that. It's not like, I mean, we'd have to pull out our computers or something. <laughs> yeah, like the one that's sitting right in front of me. That'd be. But, you know, wh where's the fun in that? <laughs> Much better to just fly by the seat of our pants. Well, should we. Uh... It's alternative hacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know he he's, uh, so Lloyd's in Croatia. Wow. And so there's a bit of a time difference there. I bet. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. So. I think I played chess with somebody from Croatia. Oh yeah, yeah. In Croatia or just Not online? In, just on one of these like mobile oh, on apps. Your, oh, okay. The little flag popped up and it said Croatia. <laughs> so, hmm. I mean, you know, chess is kind of like the universal game. It's oh well. How how long is your how long is your Jehovah's Witness story? You wanted to tell? Uh, I mean, it's fairly short. It's a few minutes, a couple of minutes. You, do you want to do it now or after the interview? Uh, it's up to you. You're 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 the. Uh, well, let's do it. Let's You're do the it. podcast god here. <laughs> let's do it. Well, let's, so that we can get him on the phone, let's do it after the interview. Okay. And then we'll also know how much time we've got left for stuff. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's get Lloyd on the phone. All right. We'll be right back. Okay. On the line with us now, we have Mr. Lloyd Evans. He is author of The Reluctant Apostate and senior editor at jwsurvey.org. How are you tonight, Lloyd? 
I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've I've wanted to speak with somebody who is an ex-Jehovah's Witness for so long, and uh, one of our listeners was kind enough to refer you to us, and and you contacted us, and so it's it's an absolute delight to have you on the show. I I know next to nothing about Jehovah's Witnesses other than the little bit that I've read online. Um, so tell well, us, tell I'm us. Hit- <laughs> I was going to say, tell I, I'm us. here to help if I can. <laughs> oh, excellent. Uh, so with me in studio is, is a, uh, co-host who appears regularly when we need somebody to fill in for us. He's, I'm, I'm always happy to be here. Kind enough to do that. So my name is Dan Ellis. In studio, I have Grant Larimer with me, otherwise known as the Hi, Purple Grant. Dragon. Nice to meet you, Lloyd. <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into some of the work that you've been doing. Um, you live in Croatia. Are you an expat? Uh, yes, I am. I, I was, I was born in the UK. Uh, I grew up not far from Manchester. Um, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, I, I took the religion very, very seriously as a child. Uh, my parents certainly took it very seriously. In fact, I can remember them telling me that they didn't expect me to start high school because they thought Armageddon was going to come uh, <laughs> before that happened. So, so what's the point? Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, why have an education when the world's going to be destroyed? Uh, so that was that was kind of the whole vibe when I was growing up. And um, but by the time I was about 19 or 20, I was already starting to wake up. There were things that just weren't making sense to me. Uh, but when I was 21, my mother died of breast cancer. And that just kind of completely turned my world upside down. And the thing you have to remember is that for Jehovah's Witnesses, they are led to believe that the only way that they can uh, see their their loved ones again is to be as close to the organization as possible. They're effectively told, well, you know, your mother isn't quite dead. She's still alive in Jehovah's memory. And if you want to see her again, you have to, you know, be a good Jehovah's Witness. So that's precisely what I did. And I put all of my doubts to one side. uh, but they obviously didn't go away completely, and through a strange set of circumstances, I found myself moving to Croatia when I was 30, and as a result of moving to a different country, I was suddenly unplugged from the constant indoctrination. So I was going to meetings at the congregation in Croatia, and the meet- all of the talks were in Croatian, and I just suddenly it was literally like the scene in the matrix where they unplug you. Um, uh, and I, I found myself asking, you know, what do I really believe? You know, what, what's my actual authentic beliefs? And that's when I kind of realized that I wasn't really a Jehovah's witness uh, in my heart. So it kind of went from there, really. There's a lot more I could tell you about the whole process of leaving. But that's the, that's the basic gist. Hmm. So is, is the rest of your family still Jehovah's Witnesses but uh, practicing? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have a I have a sister. Um I don't believe she go my my understanding is that she doesn't go to meetings anymore but you know it, I'm basically being shunned by her and and my dad 
Um, it's particularly difficult with my dad because my dad's actually an elder uh, oh. in, in religion. And so he obviously has all sorts of reasons why he, he has to keep me at arm's length. But what's really sad is that um, I have a, a three-year-old daughter, my, my wife and I. In, in fact, it was having a daughter that kind of really made us decide that we wanted to completely leave the religion rather than just kind of fade away. Mm. And um, our, daughter, our, our daughter still hasn't met her grandfather. Um, uh, such is the extent of the shunning. So oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So shunning is part of what, what people within the religion do, right? For apostates that they are just completely cut off from family and friends who are in the church. Yeah. So a Jehovah's witness will tell you that, you know, it doesn't have to be shunning. Uh, they'll say that you can just become inactive. But if you are inactive, which is another word for being inactive, is perhaps fading, what you're basically doing is you're taking a vow of silence. So you're you're basically promising that you'll never you'll never speak out against the organization and you'll never criticize it. And that was something that I was basically doing for a while. I, I mean I set up JWSurvey.org when I was still technically a witness, mm. but I was very, very careful to keep my identity secret so i operated under a pseudonym uh john cedars which is still the name of my youtube channel and i was just very very careful but like i say they just reached a point for both myself and my wife where we thought no that's not enough we actually we really need to kind of separate ourselves from this religion because um we have a a child on the way and we don't want our believing uh, witness family to have any excuse to try to indoctrinate our child into the religion we want we want a completely blank canvas um and so because of that i mean we, and my wife has uh, uh has contact with her parents so it's not total shunning but there are complicated reasons for that but um as far as the the witness religion is concerned it's very much a case that if you leave the religion, either through being disfellowshipped due to some kind of perceived sin or because you've disassociated or you've resigned as a witness, uh, the penalty is shunning. And shunning uh, goes as far as not even emailing um, someone who has left. So when you when you say witness, you, you've mentioned the term witness uh, a number of times. Is that just a pseudonym for just follower? Is that is that what you call a Jehovah's Witness follower? Oh, I I just kind of use witnesses shorthand for Jehovah's Witnesses. So oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay. Um, and you said that you had moved that you moved to Croatia when you were thirty. Um, and so I I'm a, I assume that you set up JW Survey after that because you said you were still practicing. Um. How long have you been out of the church, or how long has JW Survey been around? Okay, so uh, I moved to Croatia in 2009. Uh, it was actually in September of 2009, and I've I've since figured out. I mean, it seemed like it was longer, but I've since figured out that within four months, I I was kind of waking up. In fact, within four months, I'd I'd written a letter to my wife saying. 
you know, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to be leaving the the religion. It, it kind of created almost like an existential crisis for me oh, <laughs> because wow. wait, wait, when your entire life has been defined by your beliefs, and when when you've got married to somebody uh, under the uh, assumption that you'll remain within that religion, it, it causes a few problems, as you can imagine. Um, but but I, I just decided that I was going to, um, I couldn't live a lie anymore. And I felt that I needed to, at the very least, stop attending meetings and uh, stop doing the preaching work. And when I made that conscious decision, um, I kind of decided in, in my, I, I kind of decided to myself that there was nothing stopping me anymore from going on so-called apostate resources, because when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you are basically trained to be terrified of anything that criticizes the religion. So literally, when you go on on the internet and you're looking at a, a web page that you identify as apostate, that it's like a very visceral churning in your stomach and you're thinking you know i'm, I'm going to get struck down by lightning or something it's that <laughs> it's that severe uh so i i kind of went through that process and what i found was uh kind of what i would suspected all along which was that the fear was just there to stop you from figuring out the truth and that actually Although there, although there is some nonsense on apostate websites, it's not all factual and it's not all logical. But you know, if you go on the correct, on the right websites and on the very well researched websites, it's just it's totally damning, um, and it makes total sense. And uh, what I started doing was kind of writing about what I was learning and compiling my research, and then finally I uh, ended up. Uh, starting up JW Survey, and how that happened was, I I thought, well, I'd like to know what other uh, people in my position are thinking. I'd like to know um, how many other people are in my position and what their opinions are. And wouldn't it be great if we could have some kind of survey so that people could kind of answer questions and we could just see at a glance what people's feelings are on these issues? And someone completely out of the blue, who was an XJW, just approached me and said, listen, um, I'll build you a website and we'll do the survey. And so I'd never met this guy before. Um, <laughs> and I just I just figured, what have I got to lose? You know, he's offering to build me a website. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And so that's how JW survey got, all got started. And since then, we've done um, a global survey every year and uh up to about six thousand people uh a year are are taking the survey and uh and and basically participating and saying what they think is wrong about the religion so what types of questions are on the survey and has it has it remained the same throughout the years or have you i'm guessing you've you've tweaked some things added some questions as a follow-up basic yeah. format it's it's basically grown in the number of questions because uh, each year when we're compiling the results, we'll think, actually, this will be a really interesting question to ask, you know. So, for example, um, the more we learn about the mishandling of child abuse, for example, I mean, that that's kind of like an issue that's constantly evolving. And we're, we're kind of very quickly realizing that 
that the amount of, of abuse of children that goes on within the religion is kind of unprecedented. So, mm. you know, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be useful if we could add a question where we're asking whether people taking the survey have got any knowledge of child abuse or, or perhaps have been abused themselves. So those are kind of things that get added over time. Um, and so, yeah, we've just, we've just recently in the last couple of weeks launched the 2017 survey and it's already got 600 people have taken part just in the last couple of weeks. So it's definitely something that people can identify with. So what do you, what do you, when you, when you compile these results, uh, each year, you, I, do you compile them into some kind of formal report and, and what level of interest do you get in, in whatever these results are? I mean, is, is like any major media outlets or anything like that? Do they pick this up or, or do anything with? It? Yeah, we, we do try and publish them, um, you know, as best we can. I mean, none of us, none of us have got kind of any, any kind of formal training in, in conducting surveys. And, and we kind of make that abundantly clear when we're, you know, in, in the disclaimer when we're, when we're writing it. But mm. I, I, you know, to, you ask a very good, good question. And this is actually very useful information. But the sad thing is, is that, um, the media, I would say is largely, um disinterested in in what's going on with Jehovah's Witnesses I mean you do get the occasional article that picks up on the child abuse you do get the occasional article that picks up on on blood transfusions and that kind of thing uh, but compared to the interest that's that's devoted to smaller um, groups like Scientology or maybe even the Westboro Baptist Church there's really very little um exposure given to Jehovah's Witnesses, which is ironic because the leadership of Jehovah's Witnesses is constantly <laughs> telling the followers that you know Satan's system is out to get the, uh, the, the you know Jehovah's one true faith and um, and they should avoid everything that's in the media because the media is totally biased. Um, but the actual truth of the matter, once you wake up from that indoctrination, is that you realize that actually the media isn't really that interested in Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, <laughs> they, tend, they tend to focus on easier targets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more popular targets. More, well, Catholic you know, Church. It, yeah, it, yeah, a lot of the yeah. other religions are, are a very target-rich environment because there are so many. Um, I, I'm hearing a lot of parallels between the Jehovah's Witness Church and the the Mormon or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints Church. Uh, we mm. we live here in Utah. Uh, I was raised LDS. Grant has never been LDS, but has has a lot of experience with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, what what kind of response do you typically get to the survey? You said that you've already had six hundred responses. What is a what is a typical number of responses that you'll get throughout the year? Well, it's uh, it's kind of been going up and up, and then last year, um, I think I think we had six thousand odd uh, responses in 2015, and then last year I think we only got four thousand. But that was kind of really my fault because I was too busy getting my book finished, and I wasn't promoting <laughs> it as much as much as I would like. But for the but but for 2017, we've actually taken on a, a dedicated survey editor who's going to be 
responsible for kind of you know attracting interest and and compiling the results and that kind of thing that's the beauty really of the website is that it started off being just me basically mm-hmm. um and, and the team has since grown so that you know we've now got an editor and an assistant editor and and someone as i say who's who's focused purely on the survey um because the, the simple truth is that there's an awful lot of work um not just with compiling the survey but also we we do regular articles on on what's going on within the jehovah's witness world um and the, then there's also the people emailing in and you know because they obviously read what we're writing and they identify with it and they want to share their story so <laughs> there's actually more work really than we can handle um <laughs> bearing in bearing in mind that it's just a not-for-profit website so do you do you have any way of validating that the respondents on the survey are are actually former Jehovah's Witnesses? Or I mean, it seems like that would probably be hard to do. Mm. But is there any way of doing that? Yeah. Well, yeah, and and I was questioning uh, too. Are, is it is it just former J Dubs that are doing this, or or is it current members also? So so we allow. Um, Former Jehovah's Witnesses, current Jehovah's Witnesses, those, and we also allow those who have not been baptized as Jehovah's Witnesses, because you have to remember that, you know, that, that there are people who are growing up in Jehovah's Witness families who just haven't been baptized yet. So, when, when do you get baptized? Quite, if you oh, know, sorry. Uh, well, the, you can get baptized as young as eight or nine as oh, a okay. Jehovah's Witness. And, and from the point you're baptized, you're basically locked into the religion. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that that's when you become liable for shunning, basically, if you go back on your on your baptism decision. I was actually baptized at the age of eleven, and uh, obviously I was held to that decision, you know, right through <laughs> to my thirties. So, um, but no, with with the survey, um, we we run it on SurveyMonkey.com. So. You know, there's 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 some nice uh, infrastructure there to make sure that it isn't abused too much. But for the most part, we just have to recognise when we're, when we're writing our results that these are people who identify as Jehovah's Witnesses, and you know we have no means of independently verifying that. But you know, these are people who profess to be Jehovah's Witnesses. So, tell us a little bit about the faith. Um, I know that it was started in the 1800s. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, it started off as the Bible students um, started off by a chap named Charles Taze Russell, who formed a Bible study group. Uh, he he kind of uh, was very heavily influenced by Adventist uh, preachers, um, and if you know about Adventism, you know about the uh, Great Disappointment in eighteen forty four when they thought the end of the world was coming. And that whole movement spurned a, a string of preachers who who became obsessed with um, end-time predictions and trying to find verses in the Bible that would give an actual date for the for the uh, for the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And one of these one of these guys was named was named Nelson Barber and he heavily influenced Charles Taze Russell in uh, making a prediction that the end of the world was going to come in 1914. Uh, so 1914 would would usher in Armageddon. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, but the successors of, uh, of Russell were able to kind of tweak things slightly. And they said, well, 
it wasn't the end of the world that came in 1914. 1914 was just when Jesus came down to earth and started, uh, well, sorry, when Jesus started ruling in heaven. And, and a few years later was when he chose the Watchtower Society to be his uh, earthly organization. So that's basically the start of it. And, and it was, um, originally it was the Bible students and the Bible students are actually a different religion. You can actually still meet Bible students today, but in 19, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get my dates right now. In 19, <laughs> I think it was 1935, the, uh, religion changed its name to Jehovah's Witnesses and, the guy who invented the name Jehovah's Witnesses was Joseph Rutherford, and he was a very, very colourful character. In fact, um, if you can compare Jehovah's Witnesses with Scientology, Charles Taze Russell was like the L. Ron Hubbard, and Joseph Rutherford was like the David Miscavige. He was the real kind of nasty piece of work mm. who kind of really stamped his authority and, and had a very kind of despotic side to him. So... He kind of fashioned Jehovah's Witnesses into pretty much the religion we have today. And then it was his successor, Nathan Knorr, who took it from just a few hundred thousand to literally millions, uh, like a household brand around the world. So it's grown quite, it's changed quite substantially over, over the years. And I would say that even in just a few short years since I've left, the organization's changed again. So there's lots of things about you know, Jehovah's Witnesses in 2017 that are, are unrecognizable from when I stopped attending meetings in 2010. Um, but that's just the nature of it. It's constantly changing. This is Matt Dillahunty, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. It seems to me that those people who have their faith, who believe so strongly in God, if they really believe strongly in their God, they believe they're right, they believe that they, they are... They occupy the moral high ground. They should be only too willing to sit down and put this, not to the scientific test, but to the political moral discussion test of talking about why they believe what they believe. You Are you up to the task of explaining to the rest of us who don't have your hotline to God why you're right? Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. So it's, it's interesting. So you brought up the 1914 thing, and I was skimming over some information uh, earlier today about Jehovah's, and 1914 kept coming up as as this really relevant event of when Jesus established God's kingdom in heaven. And I'm like, what the hell's up with 1914? I mean, <laughs> what, what is so relevant about what happened in 1914 that, that God all of a sudden decided to do this? Okay, so uh, we, we need to go back to Charles Taze Russell and his his fixation with end-time chronology. And, and around that time, as I say, people were frantically trying to kind of somehow connect the Bible verses with with modern events and trying to kind of like almost establish a foothold for 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 bible chronology in modern times and uh, one scripture that people began focusing on was a scripture in daniel chapter 4 which talks about um an immense tree a tree that can be seen from all the corners of the earth which incidentally proves that you know the bible writers had a flat earth in mind <laughs> but um, <laughs> 
in this uh, in this prophecy, the tree gets cut down and a band gets put around around the tree to stop it from growing, and it's left for seven times. Now, in the verse, uh, the uh, the explanation <laughs> is, is given that this prophecy is supposed to apply to King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's supposed to go crazy for seven times. We don't know how long seven times is, but that's just the, the time that's given. And then after these seven times, his kingdom is to be given back to him. And that's the explanation that's given in the verse. It actually says all of this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. But what the uh, Bible students did and what Charles Taze Russell did is they said, well, maybe this has actually, maybe this actually had a higher meaning and maybe the, we can actually assign a number to these seven times. Um, and maybe these seven times stretched from when the last king ruled in, in Judah through to the, um, the arrival of the kingdom. So they assigned the number 2,520, uh, in other words, 2,520 years. And they said that this time began in 606 BCE, later changed to 607 BCE, which they claimed to be the date for the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. But since then, we found out that <laughs> that date is completely bogus. Um, really? Really? Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, they they basically extrapolated from that uh, 606 BCE, they extrapolated 1914 and said, well, this is when Armageddon's going to come, basically. And, and like I say, when that didn't happen, they kind of had to change things around and say, well, actually, it wasn't Armageddon that came. It was that Jesus started ruling in heaven invisibly. Quite quite convenient that it was invisible because yeah, then no one needs to confirm it. Um, and that's basically where Jehovah's Witnesses get 1914 from. Okay. Well, and they've had, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm under the assumption that they have had throughout the history of the church several different years in which they, they thought Armageddon was coming. Is that, is yeah, that true? Correct. Yeah. So, so the first of all, like I say, they was, they, they said that Armageddon was going to come in 1914. And it's actually interesting because I've now, you know, through the course of my activism work, I've managed to acquire many of the old publications. And what's interesting is that Charles Taze Russell uh, wrote a series of books called Studies in the Scriptures, and he started writing them in the uh, in the late nineteen uh, in the late eighteen uh, hundreds, and he wrote them through to basically his death uh, in nineteen sixteen. And the closer he's getting to 1914, he's actually changing the, the words in the books. Mm -hmm. So this is sounding less and less definite. So as soon as you get to kind of, as soon as you get to 1900, uh, the words in the books are actually being changed to sound less definite about, you know, what's going to happen in 1914. And then after, and then after 1914, they actually even published a Watchtower article where they said, okay, we need to completely change these sentences. And they all applied and they were all about uh, what was going to happen in 1914. So, so then, um, I, I mentioned Rutherford, uh, who was kind of the David Miscavige of the movement. He came up with his, his own, um, false prophecy of 1925. Um, and he, he had some very, um, 
<laughs> he had some very eccentric claims about what would happen in 1925. He claimed that just before Armageddon, um, a host of Bible characters were going to be resurrected. So the likes of Moses and uh, Samson and um, you know all of these kind of men of fame from from the Old Testament were going to kind of pop out of nowhere, and they were going to start ruling. Uh, ba basically preparing the earth for a global government. Um, and this was all supposed to happen around 1925. Uh, obviously, that never happened. Uh, <laughs> but just to kind unless, of explain. Unless Moses is wandering of, around somewhere in Fifth Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, just to kind of highlight what an, what an eccentric man Rutherford was, uh, he actually had a house built for him in San Diego called Beth Sarim. And because maybe, maybe because he felt guilty about having his own mansion, he actually had the deeds to the property written so that the property was deeded to the likes of King David and Samson and Moses and all of these Bible characters. Because he said, what, when they, when they arrive, um, they're going to need somewhere to live. Yeah. So this is so this is basically their house, and I'm just keeping it warm for them, you know. And that was, <laughs> you know, it sounds too fantastic to believe, but that's actually what happened. So, um, Moses and David and Daniel, they're all living in the suburbs of San Diego. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And, and he even had, like, a reporter kind of, like, question, question him on it, and he was even saying, well, what what will they be wearing? And he said, well, they'll probably be wearing be wearing the same clothes that we're wearing today. And this was in the 1930s, so the reporter said, so they're all going to be kind of popping up in, in high hats and spats and walking cane. <laughs> that, that would make an awesome Netflix series. <laughs> it would, it would, it would. But I have, I have to say, I mean, I think people, live, people who were alive in the 1930s, bearing in mind what an austere period of history it was, they were really missing out on a fantastic opportunity to lay claim to a mansion because all they had to do was stick to the story that they were the Bible characters and they could have had their own mansion. But, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, th there was 1925, and then there was also uh, a few decades later, it was predicted that Armageddon was going to come in 1975. Um, that was very, very tedious um, explanation as to how that was going to happen as to why that was um, a year of significance and then after 1975 there was the prediction that i was raised with as a young child which was that um there's a scripture in in the book of matthew that says that uh this generation will not pass away until all these things occur and, and the generation that jesus was speaking about was held to be the generation that witnessed the events of 1914. In other words, was old enough to see what was happening in the year 1914 mm. and said that this generation would not die, um, uh, would not die out completely until Armageddon, uh, before Armageddon came. So I was raised with that particular prophecy and needless to say that got scrapped. <laughs> and they they went through um a list of uh, they went through kind of a, a series of revisions and they now have this crazy crazy interpretation where they say well that's still the case um but instead of it being just once one generation uh, it's actually an overlapping generation so 
um, the people who were alive in 1914 overlapped with the people who some some of whom are still alive today, and that's how that's how it works. So, jeez. <laughs> oh, Obviously, if you're going to kind of make two components of a generation, you might as well make three or four or five or six or however many is convenient to you. Right. You know, the word generation quickly loses all significance. So, but that's, that's the current teaching. So, so when the end times come, if I understand it right, uh, a fairly small number of, so, and apparently, I mean, it was kind of amazing to me how specific uh, number wise, and year-wise, Jehovah's are, but only around 144,000, and they have a very specific number there, people will be resurrected, if, if I understand it right. Is, it, is that accurate? And, and what happens no. to the other 7 billion people? No, that's not it. Um, oh, that's not it. Uh, no. Uh, well, what it is, um, when, when going back to Charles Taze Russell again, uh, when the movement first started, you have to remember it was a very, very small movement. It was just kind of basically a loose knit kind of grouping of congregations on the eastern seaboard where the movement first sprang up. And at the time, it was understood that if you were a follower of, of the Bible students, you were you were going to go to heaven. You know, there, there was no. Um, when the Bible was talking about Christians, it was talking about Christians who, when they die, were going to go to heaven. Um, and that was basically the, the official line all the way through to the 1930s, when, by which point the, the organization was, was growing quite quickly. And there were, you know, the, the, it was difficult to justify there being only 144,000, 144,000 being the number in Revelation that is supposed to be in heaven. Um, ju- most Christian denominations consider that to be a symbolic number, um, but Jehovah's Witnesses have always considered it to be a literal number. And obviously, when it got to the 1930s and the, the movement was kind of growing so quickly, it was no longer mathematically feasible for there to be only 144,000 who would, who would kind of make it. So what, <laughs> what, it's a lottery. what Rutherford, yeah, what Rutherford very cleverly did was he invented uh, what I like to call two tier Christianity. So he said, well, the 144,000 is actually applying to people who rule in heaven. But the, they're they're not just ruling in heaven just for the sake of it. They're going to rule over the earth, and um, the on the earth is going to live the great crowd that's mentioned in Revelation. Because in Revelation it talks about a great crowd standing before the throne. And again, if you read the verse in context, it's quite clearly talking about a great crowd standing in heaven. Because the very fact that they're before the throne of God, which is in heaven, you know, mm. basically explains itself. But what he said was, well, no, this great crowd is actually all of the people who are going to survive Armageddon, and we don't know how many that's going to be. Uh, but it's still not great um, in terms of the ma- of the mathematics, because what Jehovah's Witnesses currently believe is that Armageddon is going to come any moment. So it could come tomorrow, it could come next week, uh, but it's certainly going to come very soon. And when Armageddon comes, 
everybody is going to die who doesn't want to be a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, whether it's men, women, or whether it's even children, they're all going to be massacred. And the survivors of Armageddon are going to be Jehovah's Witnesses, and they are going to live on a world that's basically been cleansed through mass genocide. And they're going to have to spend the rest of eternity praising the maniac who's done this. But you don't you don't think of it that in that way when you're a Jehovah's Witness. You just think <laughs> you just kind of well <laughs> Well, you just think, well, you know, Jehovah created us. He can decide who lives and who dies. And surely it's not just as black and white as it has to be, is is you've got to be a Jehovah's Witness. Surely, um, surely if you're just a good person, surely you'll make it through. But the interesting thing is, is that when you actually wake up from your indoctrination and you study the literature carefully, you realize, no, actually, that's not the case. Um, you can be a good person and still die at Armageddon because that's the whole point of the preaching work. The reason why witnesses knock on your door is to give you that chance to become a Jehovah's Witness and therefore survive Armageddon. If it was just a case of being a good person, there would be no need to do the preaching work. Right. Yeah. You they wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't exactly. be out proselytizing. Just, precisely. You could just have Armageddon and then debrief all the survivors afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's quite astonishing what you uh, what you end up believing as a JW. Yeah, I, I would say for any religion, but yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the other differences between Jehovah's Witness and more mainstream Christian faiths? Oh, um, well, most mainstream Christian faiths um, don't dismantle families because someone stops being a believer. I, I would, I think that's probably the main thing. Mm -hmm. And if you speak, if you speak to most XJWs, um, and and you ask them to kind of pinpoint the thing that most upsets them and causes the most distress, it's it's it is it is shunning, and it is the way that family bonds are torn up because simply because someone decides to stop being a witness or someone leaves the witnesses. And and the, the irony is that that hasn't always been the case for JWs. So um, in 19, uh, as recently, I say recently, but in, in, in relative terms, it is recent. Um, in 1947, there was an Awake article um, denouncing excommunication as unscriptural and saying that it was actually a pagan practice um, that the Catholic Church was wrongly employing um, as a weapon. Um, and then only a few years later, in 1952, uh, Watchtower introduced its own form of excommunication. Uh, did basically did a complete U-turn. Um, but even then, that was better than what we have today, because in 1952... Um, you could be disfellowshipped from the witnesses, but you could also, if you wanted to, just say, well, you know, this is no longer for me, you know, I, you know, thanks, but no thanks, you know, I'm out. Hmm. Uh, but then in 1981, there was a, a big upheaval. There was basically a, a mass paranoia about apostasy um, in the Bethel headquarters. That was actually in 1980. And then a year later in 1981, um, a watchtower was published. It was actually the September 15th, 1981 watchtower that changed the rules and said, well, actually, um, if you do 
disassociate yourself as a witness. It's just as bad as if you're disfellowshipped. And therefore, people who are who disassociate themselves should be shunned in just the same way as people who, who are disfellowshipped. So that's kind of, it was literally from 1981 that the door slammed shut and it was impossible to leave gracefully. So I, I think shunning, um, I, I'm not aware of, for example, um, you know, the, the Anglican church, um, you know, having that kind of policy. I know with Mormons, um, it's a little bit more nuanced. So they don't, yeah. they don't have, yeah, they don't have kind of written instructions. No. Um, uh, but you should done. shun. Yeah. But it, it's, it's basically something where if you, if you want to find the justification, you can find it reasonably easily. That, that's how I understand it. So. So as as I understand it, Jehovah's and correct me if I'm wrong, they are very literal when it comes to the Old Testament. And yes. and what are, what are their but what are their views on the like the New Testament? I mean, they is is it accurate to say uh, they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe Jesus was divine. Or you you tell um, me. I mean, what? Well, and they yeah. have the, and they have their own version of the Bible, right? Yes and no. They have. They have their own version of the Bible, but they like to pride themselves on it being as accurate as they can make it. However, there are some bits where you can quite clear, clearly see that the wording has been kind of used very prudently uh, in such a way as to support their theology. But, hmm. but basically, yes, they, they are they are Bible literalists. They they believe in the Genesis account. They believe in the Garden of Eden. They believe in Noah's flood. They believe that Noah's flood was a global flood that that covered every last inch of of land. Um, they believe in Jesus, um, but not in the divinity of Jesus. So they don't believe in the Trinity. So they believe that Jesus was uh, uh, it was or is the Son of God, and not God Himself. Um, but that's basically it, that they believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible. Hi, this is Justin Schieber, formerly of the Reasonable Doubts podcast and currently of Real A Theology, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Many people claim to find it impossible to believe or to imagine that they won't exist after death. Um, just try it for a second. I mean, you, you imagine that... Everyone in Paris right now is getting along fine without all of us. I mean, none of us are in Paris. We are really, really materially absent from whatever is going on in every other city on this planet right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you were absent for all of human history before your birth. Uh, the idea that you, that you simply can't imagine not existing after death is really kind of a, just for lack of trying, I think. <laughs> You and the Godless Revolution will be reassimilated in three, two, one. You mentioned that they made that change about shunning and disfellowship or dis and disassociation in the 80s, um, and that they referred to it as a pagan belief, and that reminded me that they that Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate a lot of holidays that other that other people do because they believe that those holidays have pagan roots, right? Yeah, that, that's another thing we can pin pin the blame on Rutherford for. I'm afraid um, uh, he, he it was in the Rutherford years. I mean, in in the years of Charles Taze Russell, 
I mean, you name it, uh, Bible, stu Bible students were celebrating it. So they even had books for recording each other's birthdays and, and they would celebrate Christmas. And there, there really was very, you know, not a great deal to differentiate Bible students from just, you know, most Protestant Christians. But when Rutherford took power, and when I say took power, it was really quite dramatic. It was almost like a coup. Um, the way he, he sees the reins of power at Watchtower following Russell's death. I mean, I write about it in my book, mm. but there was quite a lot, there was quite a lot of drama involved. And one thing that Rutherford seemed very keen to do very early on was to make the witnesses as different as possible. And, and one of the ways that that was achieved was by, you know, basically prohibiting almost everything. Um, you know, even beards. I mean, uh, you probably noticed that when Jehovah's Witnesses call on you, if, if it's, if it's male Jehovah's Witnesses, it's very, very, very unlikely that they're going to have a beard. And that, that was thanks to Rutherford. Um, and it was also Rutherford who it was in under Rutherford's presidency that Christmas stopped being celebrated. Um, birthdays followed soon after that. There were there was a passage in one of Rutherford's books that denounced um, Mother's Day uh, because it was it was glorifying women. He was a huge misogynist oh, and geez. a huge sexist, um, and and uh, he he really really despised women, or or he despised women so long as they weren't you know in, in his personal entourage. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that basically throughout their history. Jehovah's Witnesses have almost leapt on opportunities to be different or to point to themselves as different. And probably the most grotesque example of that is the prohibition on blood transfusions, uh, which again is, is a fairly recent thing. I mean, it was 1945 that, uh, blood transfusions started being prohibited. And, um, that came off the back of a long list of crackpot kind of medical uh, articles that appeared in in the golden age which is one of the witnesses magazines where they were uh, they were complaining about all sorts of things they were even denying the germ theory of disease in one article yeah. um, and you know you name it they they've complained about it and they they forbade, they forbade uh, organ transplants for a long period as well um, but the blood the blood prohibition um, is, you know, once you kind of wake up from your indoctrination and you learn just how pointless it is, uh, my own theory is that Jehovah's Witnesses will never drop the blood prohibition because the minute they do, they then make themselves accountable for all the people that have died, um, which I don't think they're going to want to do. Mm. The nearest they've, the nearest they've come to dropping the blood mm. prohibition was in 2000 when they um said well uh blood is still prohibited but you can have blood products so long as they're not one of the four main fractions uh, either red blood cells white blood cells plasma or platelets as long as it's none of those things you can have uh, you can have blood products but what are what are uh, the other blood products that there would like be plasma? besides those plasma yeah well this this is the thing i mean um for example hemoglobin uh, makes up quite a substantial percentage of, of blood. 
Um, white blood cells make up a tiny, tiny percentage, much, much less than hemoglobin. But, but because white blood cells can be kind of uh, separated in blood when you spin blood in a centrifuge, they're considered to be uh, like a main fraction of blood. So therefore they're banned. But hemoglobin and hemoglobin is basically if you take a red blood cell and take the wrapper off, you've got hemoglobin. And that's how, that's how plentiful hemoglobin is in blood. And it's hemoglobin that does the main job of carrying oxygen throughout the body. Yeah. Um, but the irony, the irony is, is that red blood cells are banned. But if you could somehow take the wrapper off a red blood cell and just have the use of the hemoglobin, that isn't banned for Jehovah's Witnesses. So that's, that's the kind of... It's oddly arbitrary. The, yeah, that's the level of, of pedantry that, that we're looking at when, when, we, when, you, when you closely examine the, uh, the blood policy. And it, it really is ruining lives. I mean, yeah. when, when, when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you're quite proud of the fact that there are such things as hospital liaison committees, and these are groups of elders who will go into hospitals if there is a stricken Jehovah's Witness. And the idea is that they give encouragement. But how it actually works is that they are basically there to enforce uh, the blood ban and, and make sure that, that uh, blood is, is refused right to the bitter end. And there was a very sad story back in, in November of a, a young girl in Canada called Eloise Dupuis and uh she actually died not long after giving birth so her her uh, her little child is going to grow up without a mother and she Eloi actually had relatives who weren't Jehovah's witnesses and they they actually drove i think 3 hours to to come and and be with her but they were denied access because Eloi was basically surrounded by these elders from the from the hospital liaison committee and and that's kind of the really ugly side of it, because what Jehovah's Witnesses will often say is that it's a personal decision. Um, but I would argue that if it's, if it's a personal decision, you shouldn't need elders surrounding the bed of a of a stricken Jehovah's Witness. It should be left for them to decide. By well, themselves. yeah, and, and at what age can a child exactly? Be, that's what I was going to say. Be made responsible for making that decision. Yeah, well, I, I actually believe. I mean, there are some quite encouraging stories coming out of uh, judges in, in different countries, such as New Zealand and, and Australia, who've actually stepped in and, and prevented uh, Jehovah's Witness parents from letting their children die. Because, you know, it's one thing for, um, for an, an adult Jehovah's Witness to refuse blood, but it's another thing entirely for a, a legal minor to be coerced into refusing blood just because that's the religion of their parents. Yeah, no. And and, and the, the encouraging thing is that that you know there are judiciaries that are kind of wise to this and and, and there are cases of of judges stepping in and, and basically giving doctors permission to force the blood uh, and save the child's life. But yeah. um, it, in in my view there's there's still a great deal of work to be done in in making sure that it's absolutely impossible for that to happen because unfortunately it is something that Jehovah's Witnesses take extremely seriously. They consider it to be almost a form of rape for, uh, for blood to be transfused. Well, unfortunately you hear far too many stories here in the States. 
about that as yeah. well in regard to children. Yeah, well, I was going to ask what is behind or what do they provide as the reasoning behind the prohibition of blood transfusion and organ uh, transfers? Oh, well, so oh, so organs are now allowed. That That's kind of been, that was one thing that they, they were able to successfully, um, you know, do a U-turn on. But mm. the, the justification that's given for blood is basically the Mosaic law. Um, in, in the Old Testament, there were laws given that, um, that, uh, basically prohibited the use of blood for anything other than sacrifice. So if you killed an animal, the, the blood had to be poured out on the ground. Uh, it wasn't to be used. It wasn't to be eaten. Uh, there was no, no acceptable use of blood other than for sacrificial purposes. And this commandment was kind of, um, carried across to the New Testament in the writings of Paul. Um, actually, it's in the book of Acts as well, where they say, well, we, we'd like you to keep uh, abstaining from blood. And of course, when they say we'd like you to keep abstaining from blood, there's no way in the world they were thinking of blood transfusions. The technology wasn't available, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They they were literally just talking about about eating the stuff. Um, and the interesting thing is that if you speak to Jews, that there's actually a rabbinic principle. Uh, it's called pikwach nefesh, which was which is basically the understanding that um, saving life takes priority over following the law. And it was it was this that, for example, Jesus was was reasoning with the with the re- religious leaders on when, for example, if he if he healed someone on the Sabbath, um, he'd he'd say something like, "Well, you know, if if your bull uh, falls into a pit uh, on the Sabbath, are you really going to leave it there, or are you going to get it out?" You know, and and it was it was the the principle of Pequot Nefesh that he was reasoning on, um, but. Jehovah's Witnesses don't even think about that. They just say, "Oh well, if it's if it's talking about blood, then that must also mean blood transfusions." And they are literally the only group. And you, you know, if you think about um, Orthodox Jews, I mean, they will kick up a fuss over the slightest thing. Um, you, you think about the the fuss that they might cause, for example, on a plane if if they're sat next to a, a woman or something. Um, they really are keen on following the letter of the law, and yet they will still accept blood transfusions. Uh, so it really is outrageous the extent to which you know these Bible passages are, are followed. So I, I had a quick question about the holidays, really quick. Getting back to that, so I had heard about the um, about the ban on on the pagan inspired holidays like Christmas and Easter, and and also about birthdays. Uh, so growing up, I mean, do, uh, do you, as a kid, do you celebrate anything? I mean, is there any kind of religious celebration or any time you get presents? <laughs> I mean, what, what fun <laughs> yeah. is there in being a kid? If, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. can the tooth fairy leave a, a coin under your pillow for worshiping Jesus is all the fun you need, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, I guess it's like with anything. Um, you get used to it, you know. Sure. If, especially when you're in a community with other with other Jehovah's Witness families and other Jehovah's Witness children, 
you don't feel as though you're being deprived because you're you're in just exactly the same boat as the other Jehovah's Witness children that you're hanging around with, and they're not getting presents at Christmas either. I will say this: that um, we had in in our family this custom. We used to call it Surprise Day when we would, um, as a random day in the year, preferably nowhere around Christmas, uh, we used to just couldn't suddenly get surprised when we came home with a, with a load of presents waiting for us. And that was kind of my mum and dad's way of compensating, I guess you could say. But no, there are no religious holidays that are acceptable for uh, Jehovah's Witness kids. In fact, the only celebration... Well, there's two celebrations that Jehovah's Witnesses have. One is they celebrate the the death of Jesus. Uh, They celebrate the Lord's evening meal in their own kind of observance. Um, And they also, curiously, they allow um, wedding anniversaries. So we we always used to celebrate mum and dad's wedding anniversary. And that's pretty much the only thing that Jehovah's Witnesses will celebrate. Okay. So do do Jehovah's you had mentioned about staying in tight knit communities? Do Jehovah's tend to do that? Do they kind of insulate themselves and kind of have like a section of the city where they all buy houses and you know kind of just stay together the way you know like the Amish or you know something like that? Well, that's that's the curious thing. I mean, you know, the Amish are, are kind of famous for you know isolating themselves from the world around them. Um, the incredible thing about Jehovah's Witnesses is that they're able to do that without living kind of in, in close proximity to each other. They they are raised to believe that, that the world is in the grip of Satan, that it's wrong to associate, to socialize with people who aren't Jehovah's Witnesses, and that when you go to work, so you, you have an office job, you're literally just going there to, to pick up the paycheck and not to socialize, not to fraternize, because essentially your work colleagues around you, unless you can somehow convince them to come start coming to meetings, you know, they're going to die at Armageddon. So what what you essentially have with Jehovah's Witnesses is, is an Amish-like arrangement, but without them living literally in, in close prox- proximity to each other. They're of, they're in the world, but not of the world, so to speak. They, they coexist with worldly people, but they're to keep themselves very, very separate. And that's actually one of the main reasons why there's such a problem with child abuse. Because when a child is molested within the Jehovah's Witness religion, it's just assumed that that's something that the elders need to deal with. Um, so the, the the first instinct of Jehovah's Witness parents won't necessarily be, oh, we need to ring the police. Um, if it's someone <clears throat> within the congregation that's molested a child, the, the first instinct will be, oh, we need to let the elders know about this. And and the elders in turn will want to contact the, the local headquarters for direction. They won't be thinking, gosh, we need to uh, call the police. Yeah. Mm. That's that's disgusting. I mean, you know, we see that in the Catholic Church, uh, within the LDS Church, there's a lot of child sex abuse that isn't reported to authorities. Uh, I can only imagine that with the Jehovah's Witnesses being in the world but not of the world, yeah, that it it, it only it can only compound that problem, right? 
Yeah, and um, in 2015, in fact, it's an ongoing, um, I don't know whether you've heard of, in Australia, they're having a, a royal commission um, into institutional responses to child sex abuse. And Jehovah's Witnesses are one of the religions that's been given very close scrutiny. And actually, if you read the findings that have been published, it, it becomes very, very clear that, that the commission are, are very, very concerned about the the way Jehovah's Witnesses deal with uh, with child sex abuse. And a lot of it is because of this kind of very insular, um, insular kind of culture that they have. And when the uh, Royal Commission first started looking into Jehovah's Witnesses, they were somehow able to order the Australian branch to produce all of their records because uh, Watchtower keeps records on those who are accused of child abuse. Um, records that are, for the most part, completely beyond the reach of the authorities. But in Australia, they managed to uh, order these records to be produced. And it turned out that between uh, 1950 and 2014, <clears throat> there were 1,006 uh, recorded pedophiles within the Jehovah's Witness religion in Australia alone. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and 1,800 victims. So that's the scale of the abuse just in Australia. You can imagine what it must be like um, if the records were ever to be produced for America. Well, and those are just the cases that are actually reported to even the church elders, right? I'm, I would guess that there are some that, that aren't. So, yeah, yes, yeah. So the this is where they've they've reported back to the to the branch. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's disturbingly high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have one last question for you. Um, well, maybe a couple, <laughs> but okay. so go, going back to the hundred forty-four thousand who are the elect who will rule over Earth in heaven uh, versus the great multitude, which will I get, they get to be in a sub-heaven kind of thing? They just won't. They won't be ruling over heaven. Is it? I, I can imagine that they would make it hard. That's a hard sell to people, right? That I'm already in the church. I'm one of the elect or, or, you know, somebody I know is an elect and we'd like to recruit you to be a lesser being than us. Not really. It's not really a hard sell because they're not kind of stuck between heaven and that they get to basically, uh, inhabit the cleansed earth. So the way it's sold, I mean, if you look at, if you look at, um, Jehovah's Witness publications, you know, you'll maybe see them on the stands on the, on the sidewalk. Uh, if you flick through and look at the illustrations, it's all torture porn, is... man. <laughs> <laughs> it really well, is. Like anytime they leave the, uh, the copy of the watchtower or any pamphlets on my door, it's like, it's bloody torture porn. You have to, you do have torture porn, but you also have pictures <laughs> of. Or, you know, very kind of eerily reminiscent of the sorts of images that you see in North Korea of this kind of utopia, um, this kind of idyllic garden scene where there are people basking in, you know, frolicking in fields with, you know, pandas and with, with uh, wild animals and in paradisaic conditions and tables of fruit and all that kind of thing. And that's basically where everyone else gets to live. So you have the 144,000 who are up in heaven, but they're ruling over this cleansed earth. And so when Jehovah's Witnesses are, 
are pitching you their religion, what they're pitching to you is, wouldn't you like to live in a world that's been cleansed of all wickedness? But what they're not saying to you is, when we say cleansed of all wickedness, we mean genocide committed <laughs> uh, against everybody who's not a Jehovah's Witness. But they won't phrase it like that, you know. So, so one, oh, oh go, go ahead, Grant. Well, one one of the uh, one of the numbers I came across today, which kind of surprised me, was that um, uh, Jehovah's six two thirds sixty five percent of Jehovah's are women. And I want to know is is that is that accurate? And and if so, do you have any explanation of of why there's such an imbalance gender wise? It certainly didn't feel like that when I was a Jehovah's Witness <laughs> <laughs> growing up. Um, I, honestly, I, 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 I'm not kind of qualified to say why that is, but uh, oh, okay. I can only see that, that um, I mean, if we're going to talk about kind of second-class uh, roles within the church, as you were mentioning before, it really is a second-class role if you're a woman as a Jehovah's Witness. It because, doesn't strike me as a very female-friendly religion. It isn't at all. No, you're not allowed. So if you go to a, if you go to a kingdom hall and attend one of the meetings, you'll notice that there aren't women on the platform giving sermons. Um, they're not even allowed to operate the sound system or, uh, monitor the contributions or hand out literature. They're only al allowed. Um, they're, they can do those things sometimes if there's a shortage of men, but if there's a, if there's a healthy complement of men, they're basically just allowed to do the cleaning and mop the floor and that kind of thing. Well, that's, so and that's and that's why the numbers surprised me so much when when I came yeah. across it. So, yeah, yeah, that's, no, I'm not qualified to to say why that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said before, you've been incredibly generous with your time. I know it's super late there. It's what four thirty in the morning almost. Yeah, I'll, I better have my breakfast soon. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you so much staying up late to speak with us and for being so generous with your time. Um, real quick, if people want to get in touch with you for more information, uh, how can they reach you out on the interwebs? Probably, probably the easiest thing is to follow me on Twitter. So I'm at, at Cedars JW Survey is my handle and um basically everything more or less everything i know about jehovah's witnesses is in my book the reluctant apostate and that's on amazon so by all means check that out excellent well thank you again so much lloyd it's been a real pleasure talking to you thanks so much take care guys all right we'll you talk too. to you bye, -bye. hi this is yvette dontremont aka the cybabe and you're listening to godless revolution you can find me at cybabe.com at my twitter account at the cybabe and if you've hunt really hard you can find me at Pornhub. I dare you. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Well, that was a fun interview. That that was amazing. That was, uh, yeah, the, the information. I, I went in with like some basic kind of information, but yeah. And what it a cool was, voice he's got. Oh, God, yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I really dig like his accent Eastern and European. He, he kind of, the way he speaks reminds me of, uh, shit, the, the author the, of American Gods, uh, fucking, what's that guy's name? He just came, know. he, he was here in Utah. He spoke a little while ago. Brilliant author. 
Shit, now I have to look it up because it's going to drive me nuts. Oh, if now I don't. you're going to look something up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Neil Gaiman. I didn't. Oh, Neil Gaiman. It came to okay, me while yeah, I was yeah. attempting to look it up. I didn't actually have to do it. Uh, but yeah, he's got an awesome voice. Oh, also. does he? Yeah. We went and listened to him uh, do a reading hmm. out of his book. And, you know, there was this little speaking engagement where he did some reading from his book and uh, was up there for an interview. Oh, nice. With. Now another name is going to fail me. <laughs> Fucking Radio West guy, Doug Fabrizio. Oh, Doug Fabrizio. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a good voice. Best looking guy in radio. <laughs> <laughs> or so he says. That's, that's, apparently that's what everybody says. Oh, is that? Okay. Oh, shit. Now I'm going to forget another name. Tracy and I went to go see Dave Sedaris. Oh, Dave Sedaris. And yeah. Doug Fabrizio came out and introduced him. Hmm. And Dave Sedaris was like, what a handsome man. <laughs> he is the best looking man in radio. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, 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 it's great to have that kind of nice lyrical voice. I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in this like perpetual post nasal drip kind of voice. Yeah. <laughs> A little yeah. strained. That's how my voice well, is feeling yeah. tonight. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just that smooth, even calm tone yeah. with the accent. Yeah. I should have asked him if he has an audio version of his book available and if he read it. Because oh. if so, that would be awesome. That, that Yeah, that would be cool. Hmm. Anyway, you had a I'm story, sure though. I'm find out from Amazon. But that you, that we yeah, didn't get to I, I didn't get to ask because, yeah, I mean, his time was limited. And, well, and, and I felt bad because there was also a, a, apparently some confusion on the difference in time. The time zones. and So initially, yeah. initially, Lloyd thought it was going to be two o'clock his time when we started talking to mm. him we came down here to record at the time that i told him we would be recording here in mountain time and i saw that i had a message from him in my email inbox that said uh hi this is lloyd uh, i don't know if there was a, com a bit of confusion on the time difference but it's almost three here where i am so he stayed up this whole time talked to us yeah and it was already an hour past when he was expecting that we would be contacting him, yeah. and then he stayed even longer with us on the phone than 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 he had than he had intended. Yeah. So yeah, which was really cool. But on the other hand, I mean, it's his fault for living in Croatia. <laughs> I mean, you know, if he would live in the civilized fucking world, that's what you get, buddy. <laughs> that's what you get for living in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> uh, I I actually want to go visit croatia it's, it's on my bucket list yeah it sounds like a beautiful place well and he was just such a cool guy and i i really appreciate all the time he spent with us yeah i think that was probably the most ignorant i have ever felt during an interview as mm -hmm. far as my knowledge of a thing that we're interviewing somebody about yeah well, no, I, I've, I've, I've heard some of the highlights over the years. I mean, the, uh, the things that are fairly popularly known, the, the blood transfusions at Christmas. Uh, yeah, the, the holiday thing. Holiday yeah. thing and the, and the weirdness there yeah. and the watchtower and the, the perpetual Armageddons and things like that. But some of the specifics he got into, especially the, the dates and the numbers and, the the meanings of all these things in 1914 and the relevance of that yeah that was that was fascinating yeah i i knew that they had had multiple dates on which the armageddon was supposed to have happened yeah i didn't know that there was that many yeah and that it stretched back that far well and the, and the watchtower is fairly 
famous for the number of uh, failed revelations it's had <laughs> over <laughs> over the decades. There's there's this whole Wikipedia page of just all the revelations, all the predictions it's had that just haven't happened. Shit, you know, one of the questions that I was going to ask him, and I didn't because I forgot to fucking write it down, was as we were talking, and he's telling us all of these different dates of Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, you know, their their prophecies of the Armageddon not coming true. I was wondering if if the Jehovah's Witnesses Church teaches that bit of their history, like we've had all of these things. You know, oh, they they, oh, they explained no. away the first one, and they've tried to make justifications for the others. But is this common knowledge among regular worshiping Jehovah's Witnesses, or is this something that they typically find out once they leave the church and start doing a bit of research into its background? That that I mean, that would be interesting to know. I wish we'd asked that, uh, but I would suspect no. I mean, like like any religion where the facts uh, come up and slap you in the face to disprove the religion. They they don't admit to that to their members. They they sidestep it. They rationalize it. They justify it in one way or the other. Hmm. I've I've I don't think I've ever come across any religion that that has been honest about its uh, misinterpretation hmm. of the Bible or or any theological text. Well, and I know that we have Jehovah's Witness listeners in the audience because it was a listener of ours, Andrew Vodapich, who. Uh, initially contacted Lloyd, and Lloyd contacted us to mm-hmm. to be a guest on the show. So, Andrew, if if you can answer any of these questions that we have, that would be great. Or, oh, yeah. or we can send a a message out to Lloyd and as a follow up to have some of these answered. I I would I, I would really like to know more about that ratio of men to women. And if if mm-hmm. that number I found, I I just happened to find I stumbled across it earlier today. Mm. If if there's any validity to that, and why the fuck that would be, I How don't the know fuck why. Can two thirds of the Jehovah's be women? I don't understand why. I mean, there there are so many women in any religious denomination well, yeah, that's I mean, out there. there. There's that. I mean, I can't think of. I mean, certainly none of the Abrahamic faiths are very affirming to to women no. within the church. So. Well, that's always been Jehovah's a puzzle for me. That's always been a puzzler and head scratcher for me. Well, it's never made any sense to me. Yeah, but yeah. I keep stalling or getting sidetracked. What? What is no, your so, Jehovah's Witness story? So, so okay, so is it like last year? The, the Jehovah's still come around my house, even though I have the little placard thing saying, you know, don't preach to me. The Mormons have given up on me. They they don't <laughs> they don't come around anymore. I the, think. the little placard keeps them away from my door. Like during yeah. the winter. Tracy saw them approach the door yeah. and then leave, and I went and looked, and I could see their foot tracks come up the path to the front door and stop, like <laughs> between away. like eight and twelve feet away from the door, and then just turn around. So yeah, and I've I've had a, I've 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 had Jehovah's come up and ring the doorbell, and by the time I get to the door, they're walking away, and I'm like, yeah, I'm here. Do you need wait? Something? Come and, back, and they point, <laughs> and I'm thinking they're pointing at my Clinton Kane campaign thing in the front yard, mm-hmm. and they're like, "No, no, no, that," and they're they're at the placard, but um, at the no Bible thumpers at placard, the no Bible thumpers placard, <laughs> but some of them still come around, and and especially like when I'm outside in the summertime, and I'm I'm working all that, and they'll just come up and start talking to me, um, and it was it was last year, last summer, sometime. 
these two women came around and for I forget what the catalyst was, but women were a lot in the news uh, the over a couple of months, uh, women's rights and and things like that. And these two women Jehovah's came around, missionaries came around. Um and uh it was the only two women missionaries I've ever had. I've I've never had women Jehovah's come to my door. It's always been men. I've never had men come to my door. It's always been women. That's weird. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's huh. um and the watchtower they had was all about how much God loved women. <laughs> it was about God's proof of God's love for women. And these Jehovah's were unique from a lot of other Jehovah's. Because I, I actually I enjoyed getting into theological discussion with, with religious people. Mm. It's kind of fun for me. Oh, yeah. I don't like being preached to where it's a one-way conversation. But when it's a discussion, that's fine. If only you weren't so ignorant and prideful, then you'd know the truth. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're kind of telling me about the Watchtower and about God's love for women. I'm like, I'm like okay, so— so let me let me ask you this as women. So you know, in in Deuteronomy, it, it talks about uh, that that when a woman is raped, that uh, the rapist that the woman is required to marry the rapist, and the rapist has to pay the father fifty shekels, and she can never leave her attacker. Mm-hmm. So how does that factor into God's love of women? It's a good way to claim all the hot ones, right? You just go around raping them and paying for them. No shit. And these women looked at me with a straight face and said, oh, well, yeah, that does show God's love for women. I'm like, like, what? (laughs) I I can guess at the the justification, but did they give you justification? Yes, they did. They did. So it, it was all about, it was a product, they were a product of their times argument. If you consider the time, uh, if a woman, if a, if a woman had had sex with with men, rape or other, she's damaged goods. She's now. damaged goods, yeah. and she will never have life. She will never have a family. She will never. She will just die an old widow, spinster, all that. It's God's so way of taking care of them. God loves women so much that that He requires the rapist to marry his victim so that she will have a man. Uh, and and a family in God's eyes and all that throughout her life. Somebody who fucking raped her. Somebody who fucking raped her. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. And I'm sitting here, and so in my head, in my head, I'm I'm kind of screaming. Go, oh, you mean the guy who fucking raped, raped her? You. In my head, I'm I'm kind of thinking to myself, Do you hear the fucking words coming out of your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> But to them, I'm I'm a little bit calmer. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I I hear what you're saying. Now, here's the thing: I'm not God. I I understand I'm not God, and God is God, and you know He has His own rationale. But let's say, for the sake of argument, I were God. You know, maybe I would show my love for women not by forcing a victim to marry and spend the rest of her life with her attacker. Maybe I would say. Rape is, is, you know, a rape, a victim is not sullied, is not dirty, is not. Or maybe you'd step in and stop the guy who's fucking raping her. You can stop the rapist. (laughs) Or maybe, I mean, there are a dozen different things I would, I could do as God to preserve the, the dignity of the fucking woman. Yeah. Other than force her to marry her attacker. (laughs) 
And the two women who were in front of me, they, I don't even remember what their response was, but I, it was, it was just kind of incomprehensible. And they, they just kind of looked at me with these doe eyes like, Oh, you just don't understand. I just shrugged you off. Yeah. Oh yeah. If so, only, if only you knew. Yeah. If only you would accept God's love into your heart, then you would understand. Then I would understand. So yeah. It's, so that's, that's my. Most dramatic Jehovah's Witness story. <laughs> I, I had these two guys come over once with a little kid, and the kid was so fucking bored. I felt bad for the kid. <laughs> he, was, he was in slacks and a white button-up shirt and uh. a tie, the little <laughs> pin-on tie that you'd put on They look like Baron Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clean-shaven and everything. Yeah. <laughs> he was so fucking bored, just kind of standing back there fidgeting. Yeah. It's <laughs> Jehovah's are fucking. Uh, hmm. Oh, and and the Watchtower, yeah, it's fucking torture porn. I I mean, I I kind of flip through. I never read it, read it, but yeah, yeah. I flip through it, and it's just disgusting. I've I've read. I mean, I haven't read the whole goddamn thing because honestly, I'm not interested. Uh, but you know, I've I've thumbed through it and and looked at the pictures just on the little flyers or leaflets that they leave behind mm. and every one of them that i have ever had left on my doorstep is like this bloody yeah it's it's like the last temptation of christ yeah. at the yeah. end when he's just bloody and torn to shreds and yeah it's fucking torture porn well they're i mean they're fucking fundamentalists i mean they're yeah. they're yeah they're originalists. They're they're true believers. Biblical in the old, literalists. Biblical and, literalists in the Old Testament. Yeah. The the most gruesome fucking. I mean, people complain about the Quran and all that, but I mean, look at the fucking Old Testament. It's the same goddamn oh, thing. Oh yeah. Bunch of really horrific shit. Yeah. Hmm. Well, should we move on to our other segments? Please. Okay. Yeah, Let's do it. My name is Dr. Karen Garst. I am the author of Women Beyond Belief, Discovering Life Without Religion. I also have a blog at www.faithlessfeminist.com. You can find me on Facebook at Faithless Feminist and Twitter. I'm at Karen underscore Garst. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! So there's been a whole shit ton of news just in the past couple days uh, with Trump and the firing of Comey and FBI raids at GOP campaign headquarters. Uh, just a ton. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump has been arrested just since the time we've been I, yeah, sitting no, down I here recording the show. The, I mean, I you know, what, what they, not indictments, but they they issued a bunch of subpoenas for- Yeah, grand for jury record, subpoenas. Grand jury and, subpoenas, yeah. and yeah. I mean, it's it's changing on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. So we'll talk about all of that in, in just a moment. I wanted to get to a story that- uh, listener Brandy Hamrick sent in to us. Um, this comes to us. This is actually a little dated. It's, it's from December of 2014, but it talks about a Texas pastor who quote, who says, quote, relentless dirty faggots are 
always trying to rape and snatch your children. Only in the internet age is a two and a half year old story dated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, I, I know, mean, right? Before the internet, two and a half years wasn't really that long. Oh, right, yeah. But nowadays. Now, but, well, and especially in the age of Trump, where it's like where news it's like, is just being just rapid fired at you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the story, uh, the story comes to us from the new civil rights movement. It says in this newly minted, if this newly minted Texas pastor sounds like the Arizona pastor who called for the genocide of gays to end AIDS, there's a reason. By now, you've probably heard of Pastor Stephen Anderson of Tempe, Arizona, who earlier this month called for the genocide of all gay people, because that's what a loving, Christ-like person would do. No doubt. Claiming it would ensure an AIDS-free nation by Christmas. Not sure he understands how AIDS works. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Anderson's words were roundly condemned. The new civil rights movement even asked Dr. Russell Moore, a top religious leader among Southern Baptists, to condemn Anderson's words, and he did. Other local pastors did as well, and last Sunday, 100 people protested in front of Anderson's church. As it turns out, Pastor Anderson has been indoctrinating others with his antediluvian thinking. Anderson, right-wing watch reports, seems to have found at least one acolyte eager to help him spread his message. In August, Anderson ordained Pastor Donnie Romero, who then established Steadfast Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas, where he preached the message last Sunday that all gays should be put to death. In a lengthy sermon, which is excerpted in some video that we are now going to listen to, you'll hear him say some pretty horrific shit. And I'm going to explain to you why God wants these people to be put to death. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 23. Deuteronomy 23. The word of God is very clear that God is against the sodomites, that they're filthy, and it says that they're abomination to God. Okay. Now, typically when religious people refer to anybody as a sodomite, they're talking about gay men having anal sex with each other. Right, right. But really the definition of sodomy is anything other, other than, than penis than... and vagina sex. Right. Well, and, and in a very specific position, too. Does it have to? What? I, I thought it was very position-oriented, too. But man, sodomy? Might, no. Yeah. No, like so, yeah, oral sex is sodomy. Uh, well, no, I mean, even even uh, just vaginal sex. I mean, just regular sex. I mean, like, Vaginal? Well, I mean, <laughs> like doggy style isn't, isn't necessarily <laughs> biblical. I mean, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So. Oh, so you're saying any missionary position is the only acceptable position. Oh, okay. And other positions you're saying would be considered. I might be wrong about that. Would be I probably am. Sodomy? So. Huh. Possibly. But yeah, it, that's that's something that never ceases to bother me when I hear these Christian dipshits talking about. Yeah. Sodomites is. Dude, I'll bet it's not just gays. Yeah, I'll yeah. bet your wife goes down on you, and vice versa. Yeah. And that's also sodomy, dumbass. I bet you've spilled your seed on her breast at one point or another. <laughs> Given her a pearl necklace a time or two, have you? Okay. They're an abomination to God. I love that part of the Bible. Mm -hmm. and I, I love that part of the Bible because it's so loving. I, that's why yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's not hateful at all. No. And that, but <laughs> that same part of the Bible, God is very clear very clear on, yeah, and it might not be Deuteronomy, it might be other books, but very clear on 
what you're supposed to wear, what you're supposed to eat. I mean, what crops when, you can plant in your garden? No shit. I mean, when was How to the cut last your time hair. you? Yeah. When was the last time you had lobster, motherfucker? <laughs> God was very fucking clear on shellfish. Mm-hmm. Love that part of the Bible, mm-hmm. and I'm going to preach that part of the Bible until the day I die. And if I ever stop preaching that part of the Bible, I hope my kids tell me, Dad, you're going soft on sin. You need to get up there and rip <laughs> on these queers because it's only getting Amen. worse and worse. I'm not going to stop doing it. I'm going to. St- Preach it all the time because I, again, I, amen to what Pastor Anderson said. I'm not going to let any of these dirty faggots inside my church. No, you know what? You, you know when he's going to stop ah. preaching? You know when he's going to stop preaching that part of the Bible is when he, he, he is found out to be gay. When he's found, he's found on Grinder. His Grinder account is turned up <laughs> and he's found in some motel room with some 16-year-old male prostitute. This fucking guy. I would hope that he's not teaching his kids to refer to other people as queers and faggots. That's fucking I, child it abuse, would man. Not surprise me. Ah. And nobody's. I'm not gonna. These guys. They are all pedophiles. Look in the. Oh my God! No, Fuck they're not. Hell. Jesus. Ah. Bible. Every time it shows the sodomites in Genesis chapter number nineteen, in Judges chapter number nineteen, they're always trying to rape and hurt other That's people. Right. They're relentless. The Old Testament is filled with people trying to hurt, and it's filled with godly people offering up their daughters for rape for instead rape. of instead of angels, and and offering up their sons. Fucking Abraham was supposed to kill his son in, in, yeah, fucking hell. They are relentless. They are predators. And given an opportunity to snatch one of your children, they would do it in a heartbeat. I don't, I don't even know what to say about a guy like that. I, I, he's got to have a grinder account. (laughs) (laughs) So when Brandy sent this, her comment when she posted it to the Godless Revolution page was, for the rage gauge, don't watch it unless you're somewhere you can break things. Uh, but I have to watch it in the studio, and I'm I don't. I've got an empty bottle of wine. I don't, don't want to break anything in here. But all the walls are padded, so. That's uh, true. How how would we even? How how would I break something in here? It's a plastic table. Smash I, it over your head, Grant. I I I can break my glasses in half. <laughs> <laughs> that'd that'd teach this guy a lesson. I break my thumb. It's like here. This is for you. <laughs> oh, I wish this was your thumb, buddy. I want wish- to fucking break it so hard. <laughs> no, fucking I I don't understand how how religious people can say things like this and think that they are living a loving lifestyle. I I have no idea. Or or how they can be so devoid of of everything else the Old Testament says which they completely disregard. I, mm-hmm. I guarantee there's something in the Old Testament that that was very specific from God, which he is not doing yeah. or doing, or he's wearing polyester or something. I'm fucking, I'm all, I'm all kinds of mad now, though. <laughs> yeah. I want to pull, pull my beard out. 
<laughs> with my bare hands. Well, wait, let me let me get, let me get pictures of that with my <laughs> my spanking new Samsung Galaxy S8. Oh yeah, you got a fancy new phone. I got a fancy new. I'm gonna phone. wait for the Note Eight. Yeah, well, I was I was on a Note Three. Yeah. So yeah, I was getting pretty desperate. I was gonna do the Note Seven, which was a still a I still the it coolest an, fucking phone I have ever it owned. Looked like an awesome. It phone. was a great fucking phone. And just when I, you know the ones that didn't explode, the ones that didn't explode. <laughs> I was like right on the verge of doing that, and then the exploding stories started coming out. I'm like, eh, I'll wait. Yeah, it was the coolest fucking phone I've ever had. Yeah, it. Well, and I got I got an S7 when oh. I ultimately had to surrender the Note 7, and this thing feels like a piece of garbage compared to the Note 7. Yeah. So it, I mean, this I'm thing, excited this for the thing Note Feels 8. like I'm gonna break it in half. I mean, yeah. it's so goddamn delicate <laughs> i yeah i don't yeah <laughs> so there's there's all kinds of shit about trump in the news really like like what of course i mean well is let's trump see doing something just this week and this is just off the top of my head i'm not, i swear to the flying spaghetti monster that i am not looking at any other thing but we've had he fired James Comey. Fired Comey, yeah. The White House released and their official reason as to why they fired him. Multiple. Trump contradicted that, directly contradicted that. Exactly. Directly contradicted all of his surrogates that are going out there and stating the, the reasons for Comey's firing. Mm -hmm. We've had- Comey's replacement contradicted Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Comey's replacement contradicted Trump. Trump had the Russian ambassador visit the White House. Yeah, yeah. This is Kislyak, the one who is the who has been uh, who has Flynn. been stayed, who has been said to be the number one spy recruiter. Yeah, and and operative in the United States, and he's has this the fucking guy thing. in the White House in the Oval Office this week. Yeah, while also barring. Domestic news sources from being in there and reporting, taking pictures and and writing stories about it, but allowing Russian media sources in there to take pictures and report about it, and then getting pissed off when those Russian news sources post photos and videos of Trump smiling and shaking Kislyak's hand, and so so there's all of that. There's uh, George Tillerson meeting with another Russian diplomat. At the State Department, and this Russian oh, fucko making a joke about James Comey being fired. As they're, you know, they they come out for their little photo op. They turn to leave, and you can hear a reporter in the background yelling questions. It sounded like it was Andrea Mitchell, and she's oh. asking, she's, you know, you can kind of hear somebody in the background. They're like, you know, is there? Can you confirm reports about James Comey? Something, something, you know, about his being fired. And this Russian asshole. Turns back to the cameras and says, James Comey was fired? Yeah. And turns back around and walks out. Like, just a total fucking prick about it. Yeah. Oh, God, what else? The reporter who got fired or who got arrested. Oh, yeah, the reporter who got arrested for, for laughing during Jeff Sessions' thing, right? Was that well, it? Well, so there was a reporter who got arrested for laughing, and then there was a reporter who got arrested for asking a question. Yeah. Of uh, uh, not not 
not sessions. Uh, oh, for being so adamant and, and continuing to he ask was, questions. He was very aggressive about asking, and not yeah. Secretary of State, but um, God, the other guy. Um, yes, that one. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy. You know <laughs> no, who I'm I, talking I, about. I know the story you're talking about, yeah. but I can't remember who he was trying to ask he, the question. And they, the Capitol Police are claiming he was overly aggressive. And he's saying he, he was, was asking questions so hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. We've got Sean Spicer hiding in the fucking bushes <laughs> to <laughs> avoid answering questions from anybody. And now, and now, because of that, we have now Kellyanne Conway is back. Yeah, gross. Fucking hell. We've got that Sarah Huckabee. Uh, Sarah Sanders shitty. Huckabee or something. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That's Sarah the one. Huckabee Sanders. With her with her southern drawl. Oh, God. Mealy mouth, doe faced fucking want to punch her because <laughs> she's just fucking lying and she knows she's she lying. Knows she's, she yeah. knows that she's fucking lying. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if, if they're grooming her uh to be Spicer's replacement. Oh, if, if, Christ, Spicer, I hope if Spicer is on the way out, like Spicer's fucking stupid, yeah, and he don't talk too good. No, he doesn't. But, but at but least I I've, I've seen him out. have a sense of humor about things, right? Sometimes the yeah. the clip uh, of when the New England Patriots were at the White House celebrating their Super Bowl win or whatever, and Gronkowski just peeks into, you know, like sticks his head into the into the press briefing room while Sean Spicer's up there talking. He's like, "Hey, man, you need any help?" <laughs> you know, and and Spicer's had a had a sense of humor about a couple other things. You know, he'll laugh with the press corps and everything. But oh my God, if if Sarah Huckabee Sanders would were to become the press secretary, God. I I couldn't. I, there'd be no way I could fucking watch any of it. She's I, she's I a garbage know. pile. Yeah. She's a fiery garbage pile human being. Yeah, Ter awful. I would. I would be I would break shit in my house if there was a press conference on and she was speaking because I get really close to having that happen when she's just answering questions about stuff. Yeah. I I despise her. I hate I hate, I dislike her more than Kellyanne Conway. I I have a hard time with that. I'm not sure who I dislike more. Kellyanne is more experienced and and so her bullshit is more nuanced. Mm -hmm. But it's still obviously bullshit. So. Yeah. I God, I I I honestly don't know who I, I think. It, I think it's just that fucking they're just that both. smug fucking look on her face and that southern drawl and <laughs> and her fucking condescending tone. Like I feel like Brad Pitt in uh, True Romance. For any of you who don't know what movie that is, fucking go and watch it right now. It's my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. It's got it's a star-studded cast. Fucking awesome movie, but Brad Pitt plays this stoner in it. And he has like two, maybe three whole, three lines in the whole movie. And one of them is, don't fucking condescend to me, man. <laughs> That's how I feel when I, when I see her up there. I'm like, fucking shut up. Yeah. But that's enough rage so, talking about her. But they God, they did yeah, fire James Comey. The official fire White James House Comey. response or reason for doing so was that Jeff Sessions and the deputy attorney general both recommended that Comey be fired, and initially the reason was because he did not do. He was unfair he did not to Hillary treat Clinton. Hillary fairly. Yeah, he was unfair to Hillary yeah. Clinton. That this was the official was the fucking official reason fucking that they gave reason. that they initially gave for firing James Comey. Yeah, 
In what the fuck universe does that? that make any fucking sense Who at all? Who the fuck is going to believe that? James Comey, and, and this all stems from, from Comey coming out during the, uh, during the election season and. Uh, when he testified to Congress in July or uh, roughly right. and this, and it was July actually last, this that they referenced as the reason that they reference where, where he lays out a case for why she should be in jail, but that he's not pressing charges. Well, that she, that, that what she did may have broken the law, may but broken, that, yeah. but that, you know, it wasn't really something that he felt he could prosecute her for because it Which wasn't fucking bullshit anyway. And I mean, it, it's, yeah, it the, wasn't any, yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing was, was garbage nonsense, but Trump is saying that, that him saying those things yeah. is is what led him to firing him 10 months later, later. after also praising him yeah. during those 10 months. Praising him a week before he fired him. <laughs> On Twitter, he was praising Comey one week before. But then a few days before, and this had nothing to do with it, a few days before he fired him, Comey decided to ramp up the Russia investigation, put more resources on it, and, according to insiders, uh, he refused to give Trump a, a definitive response to being um, uh, totally... Sycophantism? Uh, what's the word? <laughs> he, he only... Loyalty? He, loyalty. Yeah. Loyalty. And he would not. Uh, he would not. Comey wouldn't pledge his wouldn't loyalty pledge to Trump. Absolute loyalty to Trump. Yeah. And he was ramping up just days before he was fired. He was ramping up the Russia investigation. Yeah. But yeah. that had nothing to do with it. No. <laughs> no. It was about the shit from like a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, or the the reason that they stated for for firing him was because of the Clinton thing and said that it was Jeff Sessions and the deputy attorney general who made this recommendation and Trump was following their recommendation. Right. So many problems with that. First, because Jeff Sessions is supposed to be recused from all of these types of things. Yeah. Anything that would ever have to do with anything that would touch anything dealing with Trump's ties to Russia, Jeff Sessions said that he was recusing himself right. from yeah he should yeah. have absolutely nothing to do with any of that at all yeah so for him to make a recommendation to fire comey when comey is investigating trump about russia stuff he can't fucking do that if he's recused from having anything at all to do with anything tying trump to russia or anything related to trump's ties to russia yeah so he can't fucking do that no and then Trump comes out and says, oh, no, well, I was going to fire him anyway. Yeah. You know, oh, the letter says this, but, you know, that's, that's no. You know, yeah, they made the recommendation, but I was going to fire him anyway. Yeah. But, but he refuses to say, he, he doesn't really say why he was going to fire him outside of any justification that was in the recommendation to begin with. So why, why the fuck do you need the recommendation at all? Yeah. Yeah, why would he why would he have to wait for a recommendation from an attorney general who is supposed to be recused from anything having to do with this? Yeah. And and he just happened he, to fire him 
for the same reason that's in the recommendation. <laughs> that's not coincidental or anything. And I this is that. 10 months after the incident yeah. that they cited for the reason for firing him. And what? A hundred. So they kept him around for almost a whole well, fucking year after doing something that they considered to be a fireable well, offense. Uh, to be fair, he didn't take office until January. But a hundred, a hundred and what, 10 days into his presidency, what, mm-hmm. 110, 115? Yeah. Into his presidency. And he kept him around that whole time. And he was praising him on Twitter a week ago. It's bullshit. The none of the reasons that the White House has provided, whether it was the initial reason that they gave after the after the firing or any of the myriad reasons or attempts to justify the firing that they've offered since then hold any fucking water no, at it's all, all bullshit there, a, a poll came out today that something like 45 48% of of Americans realize i mean they know comey was fired because of russia because of the russia investigation and then today we've had the FBI raiding GOP campaign oh. headquarters in Annapolis, Maryland. Hmm. Uh, presumably, so the, the story that I'm getting is that the GOP and several people, several high-ranking members within the GOP are all complicit in a money laundering scheme for Russia, for Russian interests. I, yeah, for I Vladimir Putin and, and the other well-to-do Russians. Who are who are using their powerful and rich political connections here in the United States to launder money? I I hadn't even heard of that one. So yeah, I mean this. I mean this is fucking Nixon. I mean you've you've heard all the pundits saying you know they're all history majors now. <laughs> uh, they're they're all. I I don't think I could say anything that they haven't said. I mean, but this is Nixon all over again. I mean, this is the timeline. It's it's all lining up with exactly what happened in the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. What? How, do you think he's going to be removed from office? I, after him being elected, I've I kind of gave up uh, <laughs> predicting <laughs> anything. Um, I I don't see him lasting a whole term. And, and the, I don't see him lasting through the end of this year. The bookmakers and, and all the, you know, uh, they're all saying it. Everyone's saying it. I don't know if he's going to be removed. I don't, I don't, if I were to make a prediction, I don't think he's going to be removed. I think he's going to quit. I think he's going to resign before he's removed. And he will come out and say what, what he's probably going to do is say, Media's totally unfair. No, it's no. all lies. He's going to get in there and say, I got in there. I got America back on the right track. I signed a whole bunch of executive orders that got America back on the right track. My job is done. I'm going to go on to my own life now and let, uh, let what's his name, Pence, uh, just kind of take the ball from here. Cause I've set the, I've set the stage for making America great again. I accomplished in less than a year what most of, what every other president hasn't even been able to accomplish in eight years or yeah. more. I, I I put America on the right course. Everything is wonderful now. I made America great again. Peace out, bitches. I'm yeah. gonna go play golf. I I don't I don't I really don't see him making a full term. But 
I didn't see him being elected either, so I don't I don't know how much. Uh, you know what I would love to see? Yeah. Is his orange ass behind bars. God, oh, fuck yes. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't? Oh, that would be amazing. I'd be so happy. Yeah. It would make his election and however many months until he is behind bars worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it would be. It would be. It would be so. I would celebrate that day. Oh, I mean, God. Nixon broke the fucking law and was not arrested. Everyone around him was. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all pardoned afterwards, but, you know, fuck that. But so some of the uh, stories that I've been reading today are all about how, you know, what the the information that the FBI has intercepted because of their surveillance of these Russian diplomats, hmm. right? They that they have they know that Flynn broke the law and was was meeting with Kislyak. Right. And that in in their surveillance of these Russian diplomats, they have the Russian diplomats talking to several different Trump surrogates and then talking about several different Trump surrogates hmm. and what is going on. And so there are audio tapes and video that are completely damning that will eventually come to eventually. light. And I will listen to them with headphones on at full blast with a shitting grin on my face while masturbating. <laughs> I was going to say, I tell you said masturbating. I was going to say, you should like throw a party. Oh, you should just like, oh, throw, I'll a throw a party anyway. And masturbate. It's like, fuck that. My, my, my friends will understand. Um, when you, when we're you, all friends here, right? Come on. It's, it's great. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all just stand around and applaud. <laughs> uh, you, You've been to several parties at my house. I, I've been to. You know how they get. I've seen you do wrecking ball. I know how it works. Um, you, you, you said uh, eventually, and that's that's one key thing to remember. I think. Um, although I'm, I'm reticent to make predictions. The reality is we are in the second inning here. It's uh, yeah. all this shit. I mean, as much as we want this to happen tomorrow and we keep opening up, uh, CNN, hoping that, you know, their big headline is, you know, Trump being impeached. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next week. It's, it, you know, we're, we're in the second inning of a long game. Mm. We're watching a slow train wreck. The train wreck is going to happen, but it's not going to happen anytime really soon. It might happen within the year, but it's no, not going to happen so. within days or weeks. Right, right around Giftsmas. Oh, that would be, oh, what a <laughs> fucking present that would be. <laughs> oh, it would be that, that's, that's my prediction is that it's, it, it may and will happen, but not anytime soon. If you had to hazard a guess on a time. Oh, shit. I don't know. At the, at the rate things are coming out now, I mean, you know, within 12 months wouldn't surprise mm -hmm. It would not surprise me. But, you know, again, everything about this season has surprised me. So we're, we're only, it's, we're, we're only what, halfway but, through the, the fifth month of him. Yeah. But, being in office. But on the other hand, I mean, you have Chaffetz coming out now saying we should look into Comey's firing. That was a bull. Which that was is bullshit. fucking bull that bullshit was, politics. Oh, yeah. 
he's he's trying to solidify his run for governor of Utah. Yeah. And and to say he was strong against Trump. Yeah, so you if you see, if you see, if you'll remember people, I thought that we should look at this right. way back when. On his way out the fucking door yeah. when he didn't actually do anything. Yeah, and he's not calling for a separate investigation. No. He's not calling for a separate probe. Anything like that. He's saying, Oh hey, uh while you're looking at Hillary's emails yeah. for the umpteenth time, just uh why don't you also check on Comey's you know, being fired. But you do just, have just as part yeah. of what you're doing now. You do have some Republicans. You have McCain calling for independent investigation, which would be great. And I, 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 I would not be surprised at all if an independent investigation got fired up. But those, as much as I want to see one, and as good as I think that would be, those are painfully slow. I mean, the the independent investigation of Clinton back in the '90s, it took over a year. For for them to kind of go through their whole bullshit, so mm. it's it's going to be a slow process. Yeah, to really put all these fucking pieces together. Too slow for me, for sure. Too too slow for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that about wraps I it up know. for this evening show. We're we're out of time for the regular part of the show. Okay. Before we go, I wanted to really quick read a message that we received from from a listener who used the pseudonym of Tony Brock. He says, hey, guys, I'm sort of a new listener to your podcast. I was told about it a couple of weeks ago and have been listening to it ever since. I was excited to hear about your upcoming episode on Jehovah's Witnesses. Witnesses. I always fuck that up. Jehovah's Witness, Jehovah's Witnesses. There's too How, many. What's the there's too many that? Is, is in How there. do you? <laughs> in, that, in that dictionary of, of terms for plural groups of like, you know, there's like the plural group of ducks. Jehovah plural, Witness. Jehovah. How, how do you? Jehovah's what's, Witness. I. What's What's a gaggle of Jehovah's Witnesses? <laughs> That's a. It's a juggalo, isn't it's it? A, <laughs> a juggalo of witnesses. <laughs> You should you should go out on Urban Dictionary and <laughs> <laughs> Juggalo. It's it's not a gaggle, it's a juggalo of Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his email continues and says, Not because I am interested in hearing about JWs, but because I am one. Well, technically, in fact, I am still an elder in my congregation. I am quote trapped, so to speak as I have a wife, stepdaughter, and a young son, all of whom I stand to possibly lose when I leave. I've been an atheist in hiding for almost three months now, and you can't imagine the emotional strain this puts on me at times. That's got to be rough. Yeah, no doubt. I, I feel for you, man. Uh, he continues and says, I'm sure, you will find, I'm sure you will find out all you need to know from Lloyd, as he is currently the most well-versed and knowledgeable ex-JW activist but if you have any other questions for the show, I'd be happy to help out. Hey! Yeah, we hey, can send all we, those questions. We have to Tony. a question for you. So, Tony, actually, if you would send us a message replying to those questions that we had, that would be fucking amazing. No shit. Yeah. That would be great. That would be yeah. so awesome and, and helpful. I would, I would very much appreciate that. And I am so sorry to hear about your current situation, man. That's, I know that's got to be really rough. Uh, one of the resources that I would definitely recommend, uh, besides Lloyd and the JW survey is, uh, recovering from religion. Oh yeah. yeah they have, they have, there's recovering from religion and 
shit. What is the other one? The for the for for clergy people who are still in the service but no longer believe. Um, as soon as you say the name, I'll I'll know what you're saying. But yeah, I don't know. God damn it! I had a real problem. I've had a really hard time with names tonight, and too I'm much, sure it'll too much chili. Yeah, yeah, just like Alex Jones. I can't remember my kids' my kids' teachers' names because I've had too much chili. Um, no, I will. When I think about it, I will. I will make sure that I post it out on the Godless Revolution Facebook page, and whenever I remember yeah. the name of it. But seriously, I good luck to you, man. I I I hope you can find your way, find a solution here, because yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah. I, Sorry. About and that. if there is anything that we can do to help you out, please oh. don't hesitate to let us know. If it's putting you in touch with other resources that I can't fucking remember the name of <laughs> or or anything else that's, emotional support. That's that's how much help we're gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this thing. There's fuck this I thing. can't remember the name of it, but fuck I feel sorry so for you, bro. Contact us and we'll tell you, hey, well, you know, if you Google uh support for people leaving religion, there's a lot of you know, because you may not have thought about doing that. <laughs> uh. But but <laughs> I'm sorry. But seriously, thank you very much for the seriously. message and I do I I do absolutely feel for the situation that you're in. That's that's got to be rough. I can't you know, never being a, a very fast and firm believer myself, I can't imagine once being a firm believer to the point of leading a congregation and then losing my faith and not knowing what to do with myself. Yeah. That would be that's gotta be a tough spot, particularly in the Jehovah's Witness uh, faith where where he could face banishment, banishment. and shunning and yeah yeah and it won the family he's he's talking about yeah and losing them and the consequences of that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh real quick before we go i also want to thank all of our patreon subscribers i want to thank christy kalbach andrew vodapich jefferson mo cowbell wes aaron utah outcasts andy faulkner angelica pearson Jeremy Goodson, Brandy Hamrick, Taylor Grin, Grant Larimer. Who's that? I, 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 I bet he's wait, a tall, I, bald guy who wears paying, purple all the time. Am I still paying for that? <laughs> I thought I cut all those subscriptions of Patha for the fucking wedding. Well, you did. You kept the one that was really good. This I one. kept the one. <laughs> uh, Savitakuna and the Gaytheist. Thank you all very, very much. If you would like to subscribe as well to get extra goodies and extended episodes of the show you can do so by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution until next time it's really easy i i don't i want to i and if i may just really quick i want to give a shout out yes. to my daughter who does not listen probably <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt she listens but she last weekend she graduated uh a bachelor's in in uh biology from utah state and she worked uh her ass off getting that so Awesome. Two thumbs up to her for that, if she ever listens. So there's a new thing we're doing. Yes. I'm going to read this one, and then you're going to read this one. Oh, okay. And then I'll read the one that Matt has taped to his boom stand over here. Oh, okay. So so you'll read that one. Okay. I'm going to read this one. You ready? So until next time, be sure that you crucify that like button. And leave a review to achieve nirvana. Rate the show five times a day toward Mecca. There we toward, go. Toward Mecca. Toward Mecca. How do you rate toward Mecca?
They'll figure I've, it out. I've never we seen We have smart a, listeners, Grant. They'll figure that shit I've out. I've never seen a directional thing in the rating thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you let's, just point the stars? And <laughs> let's, let's move over to the Patreon stuff. Okay. And for everybody else, bye-bye. Bye.
Let's just do this thing here now. <laughs> we gonna we gonna do right. this thing right now. Let's all get down in this thing here. Get down, gonna do this thing. Maybe this time I'll pull my head out of my well, ass. This, this is what we patrons pay for. <laughs> yeah. Is your fuck ups. <laughs> it's what makes us laugh in the middle of the day. <laughs> ah shit! You know what I didn't do? I have been. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> No. <laughs> I have been, yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>